Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, discovering your spiritual gift. One of the things that uh, we want to make sure that we know what's going on with this study is uh, this morning we're doing the gift of teaching, tonight the gift of the exhorter, and then so throughout the rest of this study it'll be Sunday morning and Sunday night, so I hope that you all will plan to be here for all of those. But look at Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Lord, help us as we study your word this morning. Lord, you have given all of us who are saved gifts to be used for you. So, Father, help us to better understand those gifts this morning and then help us to serve you better. Lord, I pray that you are glorified by what's done here and that, that all of the praise and glory goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at these gifts that are listed. The first that we have in verse uh, 6 is prophecy. Now, remember, that's not the office of the prophet. It's the gift of prophecy for the New Testament church. Or ministry. Then look at teaching, exhorting, giving, then uh, ruling, and mercy. And so we're going to be looking at all of these gifts and, and just spending time on each of them. And this morning's gift is the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching. But before we dive into what the gift of teaching is, we need to be reminded of the two categories of gifts that are given to the New Testament church. So go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold gifts or the manifold grace of God. Okay, so what do we have here? Every man's given a gift to minister. Amen? So you might say, well, I don't have the gift of ministry, but you've been given a gift with which to minister. Right? All right, so then look at what it says in verse 11. And this identifies the two categories of gifts. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Okay, so there are two kinds of gifts. Speaking gifts and ministering gifts. There are some people who would rather be dragged behind a car than have to stand up in front of people and talk. Right? There are other people that just can't shut up. And God gives you those gifts in order to be able to do those things. God gives you the gift to be able to minister behind the scenes. You know, there are some people it's very difficult for them to minister behind the scenes. They've got to be out front. Man, some people, when they walk into the room, everybody knows they're there. There are other people, they can come to an activity, you don't even know that they were in the room, and yet they're the ones that probably put the whole thing together. Right? God gifts the people for ministry in the church, but remember, these, are not, these gifts are not attitudes. They're activities. Right? So, we talked about the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not just the ability to discern right and wrong and see things in black and white. It is the, the compulsion to speak about those things. See? 
And so it's very important that we get that. Then ministry, the gift of ministry that we looked at last week, it's very much the idea of serving in the New Testament church, seeing needs, taking the lead to see that those things are cared for. All right? So then let's look at this gift of teaching. Um, so some questions for you. First of all, are you concerned with accuracy when the Word of God is taught or interpreted? You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, pretend that I'm someone else for a minute and see if you've ever heard something like this. Now, if you happen to be here and you are someone who has said this to me, I don't know that it's you, so don't think that I am calling you out. But this is, some, this is the type of thing that I've heard. I was at Mama's funeral, and there were some doves that flew by, and those doves lighted on the tree right outside the door. So when we came out, and I knew that that was Mama saying goodbye to us. Now, how many of you ever heard somebody say something like that? Did you raise your hand? Right? And all of us teachers are there saying, you know, well, well people with mercy and, and that just, just overflowing with love, they're saying, that's so precious. I know you miss Mom. Those with the gift of teaching are sitting there going, I don't think so. <laughs> and it's so interesting, the person with the gift of teaching, they can't help it. They're concerned with accuracy about every detail when something is being taught. Then how about this? Are you concerned that the truth be passed on to the next generation? Or that those who currently are lacking in understanding are given that truth? Is that something that's very important to you? And you might have that gift of teaching. Do you desire to see the lives of others changed as the result of information being given to them? You know, I remember um, when Dalton and I wrote that book, Why Baptist? I, I was invited to this conference. There are thousands of people there. And the number one question that I got on the Why Baptist book was, why did you write this? And I was thinking it was obvious and so my answer was, did you hear the preaching tonight? That's why I wrote this book. What was that? That's the gift of teaching that wants information being detailed and given to as many people as possible. I know many of you who have the gift of teaching because you're the ones who send me the emails. How many of you know somebody that gets an email about some kind of truth and they send it to about 47 million people? How many of you know people that are like that? Those are the teachers. They see this truth, this information, and it's very important that that truth be disseminated, that that truth gets out to as many people as possible. And th this is the thing that we have to, that, that we, those of you who have a gift, and if you're saved, you have more than one, but you have predominant gifts. If you don't have a particular gift, one of the purposes of this study is to help you understand the people that are around you. So if you have somebody that's always trying to give you information, you have to get something in your mind. They can't help it. They have to do it. Right? Okay. So then, there are people who are teachers, and they'll be a Sunday school teacher or a school teacher. Um, they might have a job where part of their job is in training others in their, in their business. Um, they don't necessarily have to have the gift of teaching. Uh, a, a person might become a Sunday school teacher in the preschool department because they love those kids. They have compassion for them. And so that person would have the gift of mercy. 
right? Other people, they, you know, they'll see the young people and they'll say, okay, there's some things these young people need to know and they need to know that if, if they do this, then they do this, then they do this, then they do this, then they'll have a success. So I want to show them that. Well, that's the exhorter. That's not necessarily the teacher. All right? There are other people that see that the world's a mess and they want to clean it all up and organize it. And so they'll get the job of a teacher. And they're rulers. They're going to organize everything. Their class is going to run like this. I had one of those teachers. He had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. <laughs> he taught me algebra. And I remember he, he put up the, uh, this formula or whatever, and it's uh, uh, y equals 23. So let's do x equals 23. Y. This is me. Why? Well, that's a given. Okay. By who? Okay, and so here's the Marine. It's just the given. And then we went on. This man did not have the gift of teaching. So I had to take algebra again, and it could be that I didn't have the gift of learning. Okay? But it, it was, I, I'll never forget this teacher. He'd just come out of the Marine Corps. Everything was ordered. We're going to do this, 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 and this. Now, he did not have the gift of teaching. So your role in life, I think all of us are teachers in one way or another. That doesn't mean that you have the gift of teaching. And so it's important to understand some of these characteristics. Um, the person who is gifted by God to teach is motivated solely because he loves the truth and wants to impart God's word with accuracy and understanding. The motivation of the spiritually gifted person is to, to see God's word communicated and, and delivered to people in a way that they can do something with it. Okay? That's really important. All right, so let's look at the characteristics. Oh, uh, I've I got to do this first part. Three things are given to me when I trust Christ. That's eternal life. By trusting Christ means you, you believe what he said, that he's God that he paid for your sin on the cross, that you deserve to go to hell, but he's offered you that free gift of eternal life. And if you'll acknowledge him as your Lord, you'll repent of your sin, Jesus Christ will be your Savior and the Holy Spirit of God will come and dwell in you. You'll have the gift of eternal life and you'll also be gifted to serve him. But that gift of eternal life is the first thing that happens when you trust Christ. Then you get his Holy Spirit. The Bible says, If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There are some teachers that would teach that you get the Holy Spirit at, a, at another time or sometime later. The Bible doesn't teach that. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the person when they are saved. So you get eternal life, you get the Spirit, then you get a special ability to use for His purpose. All right, so now let's look at this gift of teaching, the characteristics. When you look, or who is identified by this is, is Luke. Luke. Look at Luke chapter 1. The disciple, the apostle Luke, exemplifies this man who has been given the gift of the teacher. Uh, I, sometimes I'm amazed at uh, how clear the Bible is on these things. Look at verse 1, Luke 1 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order 
most excellent Theophilus. So notice. He says, okay, now this is so funny. And if you know somebody who's a teacher, this is exactly what they would do. I understand. Many people have taught this already. I'm going to teach it more perfectly. Is that hilarious? And then look at what he's going to do. He's going to do it more perfectly, and he's going to make sure that it's in order. I'm going to set in order these things so you understand exactly what happened. Why? Because I was a witness of it. I saw it. I know what I'm talking about. And we're going to see that those are the characteristics of a teacher. All right? Um, If you ask someone with the gift of teaching to teach on a subject that they don't know, they won't do it. The exhorter will say, sure, that needs to be done. I'm in. What do you need? Uh, You mean there's a requirement to know the subject? No problem. I got it. The teacher would never do that. The teacher is the one. You give them a job. How many, how many uh, teachers, school, actual school teachers do we have here, whether you're teaching right now or not? Okay, everybody look around at these people. All right, you can tell what gift they have because the exhorter that's in the classroom, they have their lesson plan, they grab it, they put it together, and they go and they challenge the kids. Those with the gift of teaching have a lesson plan, and they spend three months putting this lesson plan together. Or they come home. They're up all night. The other teachers work a certain amount of hours. The person with the gift of teaching, if they're given a new class, they're about to have a nervous breakdown because they've got to master that subject before they can communicate it to the kids. Isn't that interesting? Now, how many of you teachers are the one that, uh, that you, you want to have a good grasp of your subject, but you're more interested that the kids get it? Would you raise your hand? How many of you? That's, that's you. Some of you teachers. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you are the ones that are going to stay up all night to make sure the lesson plan's right? It's funny. These are the ones that have the nervous breakdowns. <laughs> you know, because the schools change your curriculum, your class, whatever you're teaching. This happens, I think, probably more in a Christian school where they brought a new subject. It's, oh, uh, Kelly Edwards is down in the nursery today. But they brought her new classes sometimes, and she's going crazy trying to get that right so she can teach it to the kids. And that's how those gifts work themselves out for a teacher. Um, All right, so now, Luke was that person. Now, let me say this about Luke. Um, In researching this study, almost everyone identifies Luke as an example of a teacher in the Scriptures. And this statement was made about him in one of the books that I read, um, that tradition says that he did more research for his gospel than any of the other writers. Well, that may or may not be true, but... God the Holy Spirit wrote it. And it's very important that we get this. A lot of times people are looking for the sources of the Bible writer. Where did that writer, where did Paul get that information? And, and there are people that spend their lives trying to figure this out. I could save them a lot of time. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That every word of God, we believe in the verbal, that's the words, plenary, All of them, inspiration of Scripture. The verbal, plenary inspiration of Scripture. That God supernaturally inspired every word of your Bible. Amen? Amen? So some of this stuff about sources, um, while it may be interesting to look at, ultimately the source was the Holy Spirit. So now, let's let's look at uh, Luke a little bit more. The idea of the teacher is diligent research. Diligent research. And then fervent spirit, we'll look later at, um, in another service about these, the way that we're supposed to exercise these gifts in, in uh, Romans chapter 12. And then serving God. The reason that God gives you the gift of teaching is to serve Him. 
If you're a believer and you have the gift of teaching and you are not actively involved in teaching someone the Word of God, then you're not being faithful with the gift that God has given you. Amen? Amen. There's three people that agree. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's about six now. All right. Then meditation. Meditation. This is really important. A teacher of the Word of God must spend time ruminating over the Word of God. One of the mistakes that a teacher can make, um, a person who's been given the spiritual gift of teaching, they will spend all kinds of time in commentaries and in dictionaries and, and studying a text without actually spending time in prayer thinking about what God has said. All right? So the difference there is the authority of the Scriptures. The, the teacher that spends most of his time in sources, extra-biblical sources, those things outside of the Bible, as opposed to actually thinking and meditating and comparing the Scripture, they're in danger of teaching something other than what God has said. So this is very important that the teacher meditate on God's Word. Then it allows the teacher to become mighty in spirit. It allows the teacher to become mighty in spirit. There are many bookish people that God has gifted to be teachers in the church and they don't ever feel like they fit in because in many churches there's only one teacher. There's the guy they call pastor. It's not supposed to be that way. Amen? We're all supposed to be communicating the Word of God to someone else, sometimes in an organized setting, other times in a one-on-one setting, uh, but all of us are supposed to be teaching the Scriptures. Then, characteristics of the teacher. First, the need to validate information. The need to validate information. Um, here's what the teacher would say if you brought him information. Where'd you get this from? What are your sources? Um, and I'll tell you, as it, the, my primary gifts, you know that prophecy and teacher would be my primary gifts. And I go crazy reading books by pastors who are exhorters. Most successful pastors or pastors that you know of, they're exhorters, they're not teachers, which is how they build these huge congregations, you know. And they'll write these books, and there's not one footnote. Now, some of you are thinking, who cares? I care! Right? And this is the, it's that need to validate information. Where did you get this? Then, they want to check out teachers. They want to check out teachers. Uh, this is... Famous thing. Ready? Where'd you go to school? Really? Who'd you study under? Where did you, where did you learn this? Th- those are the teachers. They, they care. Credentials are very important to the teachers. You know, you'll see people that have 15 letters behind their name. There was a, there was a pastor. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? He pastored up in Michigan. God forgave him. Um, Tom Malone. And if you ever heard Tom Malone preach, he was an amazing speaker. How many of you ever heard Tom Malone? You did get the chance to hear Tom Malone preach, okay? He was an amazing speaker, but he was very homey. If you listen to his sermons, you would think that he was the guy that had come off of the farm and just your average guy. And I think he might have come off the farm, but just, you know, an average guy, homey. He had, not not homey, but homey as in, you know, okay. So... It's a teacher. You've got to define terms. Um, He came to my college. He was in his 70s, maybe early 80s. And he had just finished a doctorate 
from University of Michigan in mathematics. He had, I think, eight or nine earned doctorates. He just wanted to keep learning and studying and earning these, these degrees, and you never knew it. When he preached, he'd never talk about it. Now, of course, that learning would enter into his illustrations and that kind of thing, but he was just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man, and he was a teacher. He had, he had this desire, and so uh, someone with the gift of, of teaching, they really care about sources and, and who is actually giving the information. Then they rely on established sources. Or resources. They rely on established resources. Um, many teachers, they're not interested in new truth. All right? So it takes a long time for a teacher to accept something that they haven't seen before. And I can tell you this as a pastor um, or as a teacher, as I travel and I do my meetings, I, uh, writing these books and things, um, one of the things that you run into with pastors who are teachers is this. This attitude, if I've never heard it before, it can't be true. It's interesting, isn't it? What is that? Well, this is what I've heard forever. So-and-so taught this, so-and-so taught this, so-and-so taught this. If they didn't teach me what you're saying, then what you're saying can't be true. And that's that relying on established resources. Then they present truth systematically. They present truth systematically. Teachers seek to present material in a way that is easy for others to follow. Luke notes, if you look at verse um, four, verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very beginning, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. I'm going to point by point, chronologically, you're going to know what's going on. Systematic teaching. Um, now, we'll get to the misuses and you'll, you'll recognize this. Teachers have a tendency to overteach. Right? And so I can't teach you about the spiritual gifts until we spend a whole lot of time teaching about the Holy Spirit. Does that sound familiar? Right? So teachers have to be very careful because people who don't have the gift of teaching honestly don't care about your details. Not interested. Right? Tell me a story real quick. That's the different types of learning methods. Nothing wrong with We need both of those people. How did Jesus Christ teach? Told a lot of stories. Why? He understood who his audience was. All right, then present truth. They want to present truth systematically. Then they gather many facts. They gather many facts. I can always tell when I go into a pastor's study whether he's a teacher or not. I'll go into some churches, and the guy has like 10 books. I'm thinking, what are you doing? And he's got, you know, 1,000 people coming to his church. It's a great exhorter. Now, listen, that doesn't mean he's not giving them truth from the Word of God. That's not, that's not what I mean at all. But the teacher, that guy will get a book that's been written by somebody that's been effective, and they'll just teach that book, right? And they, they, they're very successful doing it that way. Other people, they're going to read 50 books to teach you one subject. That's the teacher. They're going to gather many facts. Then they require thoroughness. Um, under the gathering of many facts, the... The gift of teaching includes a delight in researching and reporting as many details as possible. This is interesting about Luke. The Gospel of Luke contains more details about key events than any other Gospel. Details. Details. And then the gifted person, the person gifted with teaching, they delight in their research and they love giving you all these things they've learned. Let me show you this. Hey, look what I found. Let me show you this. Look at this. Hey, did you know... 
all those kinds of things. Detail, detail, detail. Um, then, once this information has been acquired, they long to share everything they know, and then that teaching can become overbearing to other people. A teacher can be irritating at times because he or she is always asking, what do you mean by that? Or what does that mean to you? Explain this to me. Now, you said this. What did you mean? When you use the word, what did you mean by that word? And you're thinking, I don't even remember using the word. Listen to what I'm saying. Right? So it's interesting the way that those gifts can, can combat each other. Then they require thoroughness. They want to hear and speak with accuracy. No other writer tells us as much about the birth of Christ as Luke does. Luke spends three chapters on the birth of Christ. We learn about so many details, conversations, um, or dialogues that, that, that are not listed in the other New Testament books. Now, let me. this is fun. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What does this have to do with Luke if God inspired it? Well, God knew who he was using to write these books. God created and gifted those men to be able to communicate the way that he wanted them to. So it's still a valuable lesson for us in that. Um, he tells us about uh, uh, not only Mary and Joseph, but Zacharias and Elizabeth, Simeon and Anna, and he goes into a lot more detail. Then, um, all right, look with me at this. Um, make sure I've got my points right here. All right, so under that requiring thoroughness, I, I wanted to say this. Those who have the gift of teaching, that acquiring knowledge, making sure that the knowledge isn't lost, it's very important, and that's what Luke 1.4 is about, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. All right? So you can know this is true because I was there. I'm writing this down for you. Other people have written about it. I want you to know that I have completely given you everything you need to know. You can trust it. All right? And so that's where you'll hear a teacher say this. The definitive work on this subject is... And they'll give you that. Okay? So it's very important. And what's funny is... that, you, that you, Some of you will laugh at this. Um, I'll go and I'll do a... a Y Baptist Conference, and we'll go through the seven churches of Revelation, and we'll look at dispensationalism and the history of the Bible and the history of the churches, history of Rome, and we, we put all this stuff together, and, and somebody will come up, is there a book on this? And what are they asking? Where, where, where's the one authority that I can go to? And I'm thinking, well, about 300 behind this study. So what do you do? I'm going to write a book. So when they can say, what's the authority on this? Here it is right here. How do you know it's authority? I wrote it. See, that's the teacher. That's the teacher. Now, what's interesting is people who don't have that gift, they say, well, that's arrogant. That's why God gave teachers, and then God gave exhorters to help the teachers not to be arrogant. It all just goes together. Um, all right. So then, the teacher is uneasy with subjective truth uneasy with subjective truth. Let me explain what that means. The gift of teaching is primarily concerned with fact, not illustration or application. Okay? So, you know, you've heard me talk about preachers. I call them skyscraper preachers. You know, their, their sermons are one story on top of another. Just, and there's not any truth. It's just 
stories. Let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about growing up on the farm. Let me tell you about this. And then I'm going to have a seed nugget of application that I want to give you. How many of you ever heard preaching like that? All right, for the teacher, that makes them want to just, their head explode because there's not fact in there. But here's what the teacher has to understand. The teacher has to understand that a lot of people learn through those subjective stories. So I think it was Ravi Zacharias that I, said, that I heard say that you have to teach on three levels. There's the, the teaching of the law. That's the fact or the axiom. And then you have the illustration, and you illustrate that through art and music and history. And then there's the application down to where the, the person lives. That's Jerry Springer. That's hilarious. And we have to... Now, now let's, let me, let's make sure. Don't watch Jerry Springer, okay? I preach against Jerry Springer. The point is there are people that they only understand through the life experience that they see around them, okay? Other people, they're influenced by music. You know, there are people who come to church and they would rather there be about 10 or 15 minutes of teaching and about 30 minutes of worship. Now, we understand that worship is your interaction with each other. It is the study of the word. It's the music. It's all of it, right? But in modern parlance, the worship is the music time. And you can always tell these people. They come in during the song service and they're... Then we open the Bible and it's... Right? And so what we have to have is we've got to make sure that we illustrate and we, we get everybody where they're living. And so you know what that tells you? The job of the preacher is difficult. It's work. Because if you're going to do it right, you're going to get to the teachers and give them some facts. And then you're going to get to the, to the story people by giving some illustrations. And then you're going to get to the other people by just the basic homie, you know, that, that putting, I think it was Bob Jones Sr. who used to say, put the jelly on the bottom shelf. And they're all different learners, and so the teacher, the, the good teacher, recognizes all of those different uh, ways that people learn, and you try to communicate to all of those, okay? Then, um, make sure I got all this. They, are, they always have a tendency toward logic and organization. They're not likely to delight in lengthy discussion, and they can quickly become irritated with people who talk too much especially if the person doesn't know what they're talking about. Interesting. Now, some of you are laughing. Apparently, you have these gifts, and you can, you can see it. All right, then. They persevere with accepted teachers. They persevere with accepted teachers. And this is something that, again, that I run into a lot, is you have someone who has been taught by a teacher they trust, and then that teacher will go bad. But because they trust that teacher, even though that teacher is now in error, they'll continue with them. So you know what the result of that is? Everyone who is taught by that teacher now is damaged or hurt. So this is where teachers need to continually update their resources, all right, to continue in their research. And we'll see that in a minute. Then they like to clarify misunderstandings. They like to clarify misunderstandings. So you'll have a person that will make a statement. This person over here gets mad about it. The teacher says, oh, no, 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 let me explain what's going on. What they meant is this. What you heard is this. Let me tell you how that came to be. The etymology of this word is that's the teacher. That's what the teacher is going to do. How many of you don't know what etymology is? All right, we'll keep going. Misuses. Now, how many of you think there could be some misuses to this gift? Right? 
Becoming proud of knowledge. Becoming proud of knowledge. Now, I've got to tell you, sometimes the reason for this is the kid was beat up in school a lot. And so now that he's in charge, he's going to show all the dumb jocks how much they don't know. And his worth is going to be in what they've learned. Right? This happens. I like the T-shirt. The, the kid. I saw a kid, kind of a nerd in, in school. And I said, that's all right. You're going to work for me someday. I love that. That's cool. Then, despising lack of credentials. Despising lack of credentials. Um, let's say that I wanted to go become the pastor of a mega church. Okay? What, what, that's not funny. <laughs> Kids are going, good luck. <laughs> um, so let's say that I wanted to go and apply for a mega church. Well, I don't have a doctor's degree. I don't have a doctorate. Now, someone as smart as me really ought to have one, right, Dr. Edwards? That's what I said to him before. Um, so what would happen is, let's, let's remove me from it. Let's say you've got a guy that has simply spent his entire life studying the Scriptures. Never went to college. Spent his entire life studying the Scriptures. You've got another person that went to all the high-name seminaries but doesn't trust the Bible he holds in his hands. Which one would you rather have as your pastor? And see, where Christianity has gone is now they're trusting the teachers. Right? But the problem is the teacher needs the prophet. The teacher has the ability to gather all the information. The prophet tells the teacher which of those are important. And what happens when you emphasize the wrong thing or de-emphasize the wrong thing. You see, those things all have to come together. And we get really messed up in Christianity when we trust a person's credentials more than their walk with the Lord. Amen? Now, let me say this. Uh, I wish I had all those degrees. I really do. I've wanted to do that for years. I just don't have the character to accomplish it. it but So I, I, I respect, I'll tell you what I hate, honorary doctorates. Now, those of you with doctor's degrees that are in this room, those honorary doctorates probably really bother you because of the work that you put into it. All right? So those, those degrees ought to be earned. Then, depending on human reasoning, depending on human reasoning. Now, you understand there's much in the Bible. The historicity of the Bible is beyond dispute. It doesn't take faith to believe the historical accuracy of the Bible. Amen. There's never been an archaeological discovery that contradicts the Scriptures. The history of the Bible, it's beyond dispute. I know Bill O'Reilly says the Bible's not a history book. He's a pinhead. Okay, if you ever watch it, you this little play there. Um, the Bible is historically accurate. It doesn't take faith to believe it, right? It doesn't take faith to believe it. But it takes the Holy Spirit of God to interpret it. All right, so let me give you an example. If you go to Bible college or seminary, and a conservative Bible college or seminary, they're going to teach you the historical grammatical interpretation of Scripture. So what, what does that mean? That is, to understand a text, you have to understand what was going on in history when that happened, how those words were used in history. Then you have to understand grammar, right? So the words, if you're going to understand the words, you've got to understand grammar and how, you know, all of that. So the only problem with that is a lost person can interpret the Bible that way. Don't have to be saved. The Bible says that the Bible is understood spiritually, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Where teachers get in trouble is they rely too much on the historical grammatical and they neglect the spiritual. 
your Bible is a supernatural book. God has hidden things in this book that can only be discerned through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there are some teachers out here right now, and I can't tell it by your faces or whatever. I'm not mad at anybody. But I just know that in a, in a congregation this size, this is going to happen. There are some teachers out there that are going to say, well, I don't know about that. And that's one of your misuses. You need to allow the, the Holy Spirit to enliven your spirit to discern the truth of Scripture. Okay? That's a misuse, depending on human reasoning. Then, criticizing practical applications. Criticizing practical applications. I'll give you the perfect example of this. Dalton Robertson and I, we have the Ancient Baptist Press. We wrote the Why Baptist book together. So we both write articles and we edit each other. And so Dalton will write this article and I'll read this sentence and then I'll read it again. Then I'll read it again. And I have no idea what he's talking about. And so I called him, Dalton, what do you mean here? He's painting a picture. He's the artist. You know, he's just had a song recorded by a top group. You know, he's just this artist guy. He'll, he'll sit down in a restaurant and draw a cartoon of you that looks exactly like you. He's an artist, which means he's crazy. <laughs> All right. I call him an emotional wreck. He calls me a robot. All right. So when we read each other, he'll read my stuff and he'll say, man, that logic, it's, it's there. He said, Man's got no life. You need to illustrate that. You need to use some, some more. Amy, did you notice this when you were doing the, she reviewed the book for us? It's hilarious. Now, Dalt's grammar was better than mine, she said, and I'm still mad about that. But <laughs> so when, when we do that, what are we seeing? All right? I'm the robot. I'm the robot. I'm going to criticize some of those practical applications. It's just the truth. Take it. Well, that doesn't work for a lot of people. And so this is real, that's a misuse of that gift. Then, showing off research skills. Showing off research skills. Is um, um, Andrea Smith in here this morning? She's downstairs? Yeah, they're in junior church, I think. She wrote her master's thesis on um, Israel, the way Israel is handled in school books. And she gave me a copy of that. It's hardbound. It's this thick. It's the research she did for that is unbelievable. You give that to the average person, their eyes are going to glaze over. Every teacher looks at it and says, well, that's a good job. That's interesting. So the, the, we have to be careful of that. Not that Andrea did bad by showing off her research skills. That's not my point. But it's just a difference in, in the way that people think. Then rejecting scriptural presuppositions. Rejecting scriptural presuppositions. This is something that, that you'll run into a lot. So you'll have a teacher, and they're looking at the words in a text, all right? And they'll interpret that. But they have neglected what the Bible already said about that subject, all right? So this is where when we talk about understanding the Bible, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you're going to understand that text, you have the historical and the grammatical, but you also need to understand whose mail you're reading. What is the context of that? Is it Old Testament? Is it New Testament? 
Is it written to the Jews? Is it written to the Gentiles? Is it written to the nation of Israel? Is it written to the church? And so what happens is you'll read a lot of commentaries where they're dealing with that individual text with no concern about the order that God has laid out. So what does that person need? That person needs the ruler who understands how those things are put together. It's really important. Then, putting mind above the Holy Spirit. Putting mind above the Holy Spirit. I think that we all understand what's going on there. You have a person that does not respect someone who doesn't have their academic credentials, and yet the Holy Spirit of God has worked in them in an amazing way. Careful. Then taking teaching to extremes, arguing over minor points. Now, here's some warnings for the teacher. Here's some warnings for the teacher. The teacher must be a good communicator. I mentioned this last week. One of the great problems you have with teachers is they spend more time on their research than they do on their ability to communicate it. And so what happens is uh, you'll get a teacher who's going to make a presentation, and so they come in with all their notes, and then they only get, they have 10 pages. They only get through the first page, right? My first several years here, I never got past my first point of my sermon. That's a problem. That's a problem. A, a, a teacher has to learn how to communicate and get the information to the people, all right? And that's a skill that has to be developed. Then a teacher must be open to new means of presenting information, um, I know preachers that think that using a, a PowerPoint like this is sin. You know, it's new technology. You don't need it. That's silliness. That's all just silliness. There are different ways to communicate information, and you've got to be open to that. Um, then, a teacher must not get hung up on small errors in detail. So, I read a book on the King James Bible... And on the first couple of pages, this author said that King James is considered by historians to be one of the greatest kings in the history of England. Well, that was written by someone who knows nothing about the history of England. Okay? Uh, he was a brilliant man. There's no doubt about it. He was a brilliant man. And he was a lousy king. I couldn't finish the book. And I've had several people tell me, man, there's some great information in that book. So what should I have done? Well, I should have kept reading past that and recognized he just doesn't know much about the kings of England. You can know stuff about the Bible issue without knowing who the kings of England were, right? And so that's a, that's a danger that a teacher can get hung up on these small errors in detail. Then, a teacher must always be open to the intuitive, spiritual leading of the Holy Spirit to discern truth. This is difficult. It's, it's hard for people who are coldly logical to follow a feeling or an impression, right? Now, there are some people, it's almost impossible for them to follow logic. They're so wrapped up in feelings. Those are both extremes in their errors. Would you all agree with that? And so what do we need? The, the person who has the gift of the teacher needs that person with the gift of mercy, that sensitive nature to help them. Um, and then a teacher must always look for the big picture. All right, so this is where the teacher needs the ruler. Um, so as pastor, I'll, I'll preach something, and I'll have somebody come to me, and this is their pet uh, area of study. Now, any of you teachers, you've all experienced this. You make a general statement, and then someone comes with a very specific, detailed argument, and you never even addressed that. You weren't talking about that, but they're thrown off of the whole program because of that one little detail. 
So what that, what that teacher needs is they need the, the ruler to help them see the big picture. Right? Now look, we, as, we at Grace Baptist Church, and when we get to the ruler, this is going to be such a, a big help for our church. At Grace Baptist Church, we're very interested in truth, aren't we? We're very interested in truth. But man, we, we love people. We want the Holy Spirit to move in this place. We want everything to be done decently and in order, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14. We want to be a well-rounded, Christ-like church. So we need all of you. We need all of you. Then, a teacher must never substitute academic degrees for genuine wisdom from God. You know, there are a lot of people who have a lot of degrees and they're wicked as the devil. There are a lot of uneducated people that are as wicked as the devil, too. The issue is not your schooling while we need people who have schooling. The issue is, do you know God? Are you living for Him? Are you in submission to His Word? Amen? All right. Then, marks of a godly teacher. Look at Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Look at verse 10, Psalm 119, verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. This is very important that we get this. For the teacher, they're going to have all kinds of sources. Everything needs to be submitted to a heart relationship with God and His word. It's so important. Um, that's, a, that's a serious warning and a mark of a godly teacher. So, the first mark of a godly teacher is self-control. Self-control. They need to understand not everybody cares about all their details. Uh, the person that you're listening to might not have your depth of study in that particular area. You need to respect them for God's sake. Amen? Then, reverence and respect for the Word of God. Reverence and respect for the Word of God. I need to have more respect for this book than for the cumulative knowledge of every book in my library. That's what the teacher has to have. That's the mark of a godly teacher. Then, diligence and thoroughness. Diligence and thoroughness. And what are we talking about there? A teacher can get stuck studying a very narrow area and miss the broader understanding. So you've got to be diligent and thorough if you're going to teach something well. And this is really important. The church needs teachers that are willing to do that. The, those of you who are the ministers... And you, you just love getting your hands dirty, ministering with people. You need somebody who's willing to, as much as you're willing to invest in that, they're willing to invest in discovering and teaching the truth. We all need each other, all right? Then, dependability. Dependability. You need to be able to trust your teacher. And so that teacher has to make sure they're submissive to the Word of God, not to everything else. That's their authority. All right, beware of false teachers. Look at 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2, look at verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Now look at this. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they, uh, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, 
and their damnation slumbereth not. Now look, God says that there were false prophets in the past. In the churches, there's going to be false teachers. And these false teachers, look, uh, did I put it on the outline? Yeah, a false teacher teaches one thing and lives another. So in our Sunday school class, we were talking about some things, and Matt, who's visiting here, talked about accountability, how important accountability is. Well, this is where we've got to hold our teachers accountable. Okay, so now I'm the one teaching right now. So if I teach one thing and live another, you all need to hold me accountable. Don't put up with that. Now, remember, we as preachers, we're not perfect. We aspire to live up to everything that we teach, but we're fallen sinners and we're going to fall short. And yet we still need godly people to hold us accountable. Amen? Um, Then a false teacher. False teachers have all the ability of good teachers, but use their gift for error. And so what happens according to the Word of God is these are people that have unbelievable ability to communicate with people, but they make merchandise of them. They're in it for money. They're in it to get something out of the people, and they lead them into error. And God says that this is damnable. It's worthy of hell. And so beware of false teachers. And there are a lot of false teachers out there. So what can we as Christians do to withstand that? Our standard must not be personality but Scripture. If there's a teacher that you love, but they're clearly in opposition to God's Word, you've got to love God's Word more than you love that teacher. Amen? I like what Paul said. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, which is not another, let him be accursed. How about that? Paul said, either me or an angel from heaven. I don't care who it is. If they teach something other than what this book says, let him be accursed. Damned to hell. And that's what First Peter, Second Peter says. It's damnable heresy. So our authority must be the Word of God. We've got to be submissive to that. We've got to know it. That's got to be the heart of our teaching. Amen? Okay, now, I know that I have um, done the teacher thing and overtaught this. Okay? So let me give you a handle to take it home. Don't we have a great God? And He loves you so much He came and died on the cross for you. He loves you so much that after He saved you, He gave you a gift and wants you to be involved in the church. Uh, we talked in our Sunday school class today about fellowship, about fellowship. And I hope some of you folks that haven't gotten involved in a Sunday school class, I hope that somebody corrals you today and invites you to lunch or tries to get to know you better. I really do. Because why? We need your gifts. We, we care about you, we love you, and then we need what God has gifted you to do. Why? Because it brings glory to Jesus Christ. We want you to bring glory to Jesus Christ to the gifts that God has given you. Praise His holy name. Thank you, Lord, for His...